Welcome to The After Pulse, a bonus episode from Mary, SJ, Jason, and PJ, your Community Pulse hosts. Here's what they're saying about this episode. So I think we always say at the beginning of every After Pulse that it was a great episode and we really enjoyed it. But I know for me this time, not only was it a great episode, but I learned a lot, I think. And I think, PJ, you mentioned at the end of the recording that you were hoping it would help break down some of the stereotypes that we have around developer marketing and around marketing in general. And I know for me, at least, it totally did. Because talking through some of the, like, well, what's your standpoint and what's your goal and how do you approach these conversations is exactly what I would hope to hear from a marketing team at a tech company. Right. And the, the question that I asked halfway through was a genuine question, but was also, I was sitting there asking it kind of in a, like, I wish I had had a marketing team like these folks in the past, because I've had the experiences that no one wants where the marketing team is sitting there going, well, but we know best how to talk to our audience because we're marketers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's great. But you're not talking to our community day after day after day. We are. So rely on us as DevRel professionals to help you out with what that voice should be and how to relate to them. And it's so refreshing to hear that. I can honestly say that I think that if I had worked with Elizabeth or, or Karen at another job at any point in time, there's a couple of jobs that I can honestly say I would have stayed Yeah. because they are, they're open, they're vibrant, they're they understand the, the, for lack of a better term, I'm going to use the term problem, the problem of speaking with developers or marketing to developers. And I mean, we kind of went into this, you know, I wrote that article and a lot of the article is about perception, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, I talk about perception a lot anyway, but like the perception of that job, the perception of that position of marketer before developer, marketer being the bigger word, marketer being the focus. And they're actually very developer folks. And I think we broke down a lot of those stereotypical perceptions, which is, yeah. is awesome. That I think that that was an amazing opportunity. Well, and I think one of the things that I noticed that was kind of the biggest revelation to me was, I don't know if PJ, it was you or if it was Jason, one of the two of you said like, well, you know, how do you handle the the bulk emails and the, you know, social media ads? And both of them on the video were like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no, that's not, but that's not what we do because we know that that's not effective for this audience. And I was sitting here going, wow, that's so nice to hear other people, not, not me, other people say that about marketing. <laughs> Sometimes I feel on my, on this show in general, I put myself into like, a past version of myself having a conversation with somebody else and and us not agreeing and then fast forwarding until right now and thinking man I wish I could take that person from 2 years ago and put them in this conversation because these experts in this field you know at companies that clearly know what they're doing um are offering some good advice that I've been saying for forever and anyway you should you two should talk uh, but I feel like that was a, a situation, that was what this episode was. That there's some stuff in here that I think even in companies I've been at pretty, you know, in the past, they're well-intentioned uh, marketing efforts, but sometimes they, they're just like what you said, you know, that they have a background in marketing, they have a background in ads, they have a background in all these things, and, and, um, and so they do what they know. But it doesn't always... It doesn't always go over well. Sometimes it tarnishes the business in a general sense. In a lot of ways, 
I don't know where I'm going with this. Other than I think this episode is very much like that, where I think there's some stuff in here that some marketing teams really need to get. Well, I, 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 I almost think like, you know, it, this, and this sounds so self-serving and I'm sorry, so sorry, but I feel like this is an episode that we are going to like see a lot of people that are going to be like, huh, I know someone I can email the link to this to. Yes. They could, they could have a good listen. Those marketers that I worked with two years ago, you know, like Jason, you're, you're wishing, you know, they're, send an email. Um, but like, in all honesty, like, I think that's what a lot of DevRel people are going to take away from this is like, so wait, it can be good. You can have a decent relationship with developer marketing. You can have a successful relationship, a non-contentious relationship with people who have the same goals in mind as you, but don't do the same thing as you. Amazing. Well, Sign even if it's not dev marketing, and one of the questions I had for the, for the our guest was kind of leading into, um, I feel like all of this, we're advocating for more collaboration. Bring, you know, marketing team, talk to your engineering uh, people, talk to your dev advocates, talk to your community people who are out at events or now doing virtual events, talk to them, collaborate more. Um, and then I was going on about, well, at some point, if we're top of funnel and there is a sale involved here, there's a handoff. What is that handoff like? Because if it's a cold handoff, then that's not going to, that's the, I think that's the worst case scenario. I think it ruins again, all of the conversations and efforts that happened all the way up to that one person who now has like a quota and sales and metrics that they have to hit. And that spoils like the, the whole life cycle. Well, I'm, 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 I'm curious for the two of you, because you've both been doing this for, you know, a significant amount of time. I've been doing this for a significant amount of time. Um, like, how do, do you ever find that there's always that one or two salesperson people who you find you can count on to not blow the thing? Mm-hmm. If, if like, you know, I, I found in many jobs that like, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm talking to this person, you know, we met at a conference a couple months ago, we've had a couple emails back and forth about the product. And I know that if I give this to Stacy, she's going to do do good by this person. But if I give it to John, he's going to blow it, because he's going to try to sell and upsell and do all that shit that we don't like. Um, so do you find that like, it's kind like, I felt that way about marketing, but now I feel like maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Do you think that maybe there should be people that are focused on developer sales that we know we can count on to make that handoff that you're talking about, Jason, that much easier? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, ideally that's your entire sales team. Right. And I think one would absolutely (laughs) help. And I think like my experience when I was a chef was exactly that. Like our sales team would get on the call with some of our prospects and would wind up saying, you know what, this product isn't right for you go try this, this, or this, because these are actually better solutions. At Komundo, where I am now, we have the same philosophy. Like we, we have a, a company policy that is now known among our prospects as well, that like, we are never going to tell you we can do something that we can't, even if it means we lose a bid for a product, like, or a bid for a customer. Like, it doesn't matter. We aren't gonna lead you down the wrong path. We aren't gonna tell you that we can, we're capable of doing things that we aren't able to do. And as a result, we build better relationships with our customers, with our prospects. We also build better relationships internally because I know I don't have to sit there and go, well, Stacy's great, but John's not, but Stacy's on PTO. And so who do I pass this person off to? Or do I tell them someone will get back to you in three weeks when Stacy's back from PTO? Like I don't have to do that mental math. 
And there's no, you know, super secret internal document where I can tell a new person, do this, don't do this, don't go to these people. You can trust these people, but not these. Like we could probably have a whole episode about secret internal documents. Oh yeah, that's a whole other conversation. We can do a whole episode <laughs> just on the sales thing because I think this this is important too. Like I, just as many allies as I had in the marketing side of of the you know, team, I also had the allies in the sales because of the same reasons. You know, that like, this is a relationship here, and if if we're all going to be out there talking about things, um, I don't want to me to be like, you know what, I don't do with sales, but if you want to buy the product here, talk to my friend, and then something goes wrong there. Um, and usually it goes wrong because there's incentives in place that make it go wrong. It's not because I didn't trust my friend to like, you know, have a good relationship and, and don't be pushy and, you know, like do all the things that I think are the right things for a salesperson. You're just like what you were saying there. But sometimes, you know, come the end of the quarter, quarter, you got quotas, you got numbers, and it no longer matters. So I think there's more that has to be uh, done to push that um, that line of thought further up the chain. You know, not not just your salespeople. It's interesting you mentioned that, Jason, because one of the things that we talked about a bit with Elizabeth and Karen also is metrics. And like to go back to the sales idea, some of the most successful sales teams I've been a part of are sales teams that don't work on commission. They get a flat salary and it's a decent salary. It's a, it's a sustainable salary. It's great with benefits and everything. And they sell more because they don't, ha they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and now you're talking about just the structure of probably like the board of directors of the company, you know, or the business and the industry. They're in. And I think that, that, that goes in line with what they were saying is like, yeah, if you structure your metrics, not about how many market qualified leads did you get with this particular campaign, but you know, how well is the community responding to the things that we're doing based on the campaign that you did, that makes more sense. Absolutely. Like, back to the hugs and high fives idea. Like I could tell you that I met 85 fucking people at a, at a, at a conference and who cares? Um, I could be that I met 85 people and they were like, your product is stupid and I don't want to use it. Um, and I mean, we could go, we've, we've, we've worn this ground through the ground. It is now at like a base lava level. Um, but at the same time, like maybe it's true that in other industries, the metrics matter less than we think they do. Maybe it's about caring for people and supporting them in what they're doing instead of just compensating them monetarily that actually drives success. Yeah. And I think part of the interesting thing for this conversation today, for me, like PJ, you mentioned, and Jason, you kind of seconded this with like, you know, maybe this is an episode that we send to colleagues or send to other people who are struggling with this in the industry, right? But I also uh, think I was thinking maliciously sending it to ex coworkers. But yeah, oh, I mean, like your well, thing sounds very positive, Mary. We'll go with that. <laughs> That's a perfect example of the differences between you and I, PJ. <laughs> he likes the passive aggressive approach. But the part of the interesting thing to me too is like maybe this gives people, including myself, if I ever run into this in the future, it gives us ways to explain to our coworkers here's why this should be your approach, and here's why this doesn't work, and here's why I want to collaborate with you. But it also, as people are interviewing for jobs, gives a whole other subset of questions to ask because you better believe I want to know, hey, do you have a developer focused viewpoint on marketing? Not have your marketers worked at tech companies before because that happens all the time. But do you have a developer focused viewpoint of marketing? What are the marketing tactics you use? Exactly. And incentives. Clearly from that episode, we learned that that's different things. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I've worked with people who are, who are great at marketing, who don't understand developers Yes. who, yeah, if you were going to sell me a skincare product, terrible example, obviously I don't use them. Uh, but if you're going to sell me a skincare product, you'd be the right person to talk to because you'd understand 
all of the marketing philosophy things of you know supply demand enrichment things like that that doesn't work in tech it doesn't especially when your audience is you know api developers and open source people like they don't buy into that stuff they they run away from it and I think I've seen all too often the qualifier of, you know, for a marketing related job, like must have experience in a, in a tech company previously. It's like, well, all companies are tech companies now, right? So are we talking hardware? Are we talking software? Are we talking API? Are we talking open source? And who was your buyer? And this came up in the episode as well. Like it's not just who is your end user, but who's your buyer that the marketing team is focused on? Because you could have a solid tech company that the buyer is the CEO. And so you're not going to rely on your marketing team to know how to talk to developers because they don't, they talk to the CEOs because that's their goal. And so figuring out, you know, if, if the target audience for the marketing team is the CEOs of other companies, then do you have a developer marketing counterpoint that you can rely on to be that intermediary? Or is that the responsibility of the DevRel team and then you better really make a good effort to build up that relationship between DevRel and marketing or else it's not going to work. Exactly. And I, I think that's, that's the other key thing. I, I don't, maybe we didn't touch on this as much as I had hoped to in the episode, but kind of the importance of the relationship between DevRel and marketing. And I know that we, and developer marketing, and I know that we talk about how we don't like being placed in marketing or we don't like being considered marketing, but that doesn't change the fact that like, I mean, Let's be honest, cards on the table. I hate sales. I don't like sales. I don't care about it. It's something that I've never been passionate about. But I understand marketing to a degree, and I understand the importance of working with the marketing team. And I, I wish that we would have touched a little bit more on the overlap there of like, what is, where, where's, you know, where, where's a line clearly drawn where that's a DevRel responsibility, that's developer marketing responsibility. Where's that Venn diagram saying that it could be either or, and it, or, or maybe it should be both. Right. This whole thing started from your blog post. Each. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, I guess we probably ought to wrap, it, wrap this up. I'm wondering if um, you have anything to go back and adjust or add to your article. Mm. You know, I, I do. I think, I think that I very much do. I think that uh, like Karen Elizabeth very much opened my eyes to the idea that when your marketing is that developer focused and, and, and sure, maybe we just had the two perfect examples right there, but at the same time, like, you know, maybe this should be something other marketing teams strive for. And maybe there needs to be an addendum saying like, you know, this perception is taken from my experience, but I just happen to talk to two great people who do an amazing job of this. And maybe if we looked at it more like this, there would be less contention. There'd be less of a, a, a splitting of the ways and we'd be able to work together and make things better for developers. Cause isn't that our whole goal anyway? And I would take it a step further and say, we talked to two amazing people who are a representative of the industry that is trying to keep up with developers that are trying to succeed in reaching developers. Like, I don't think they're just an anomaly. And I know you weren't saying that, but I don't think they're an anomaly. I think they're a small sample size right now of people who are really understanding developer marketing. It's fascinating to me that they both come from a developer relations background, right? Because that's a I whole do find other that quite interesting. conversation. But I think I'm making a prediction here. We'll see if it comes true. Um, but I think it's down, safe folks. to say, what? Write this down, folks. Write this down. Yes. But I think it's safe to say that as more tech companies are starting to bring on developer marketers who have either 
the product experience or developer experience or DevRel experience into that role, or even marketers who are genuinely trying to fulfill needs of developers. I think as more people or as more companies are taking on those dev marketing responsibilities, we're going to start to see that being a differentiator for whether or not the company succeeds. Because it's not just DevRel's responsibility to build these relationships and talk, you know, in a way that is um, incentivizing and exciting to developers, right? That's marketing's responsibility. That's sales responsibility. That's customer success's responsibility. That's everyone's responsibility in the company. And I think the more that we see, well, no, but DevRel does this or customer success does that. Like it has to be a holistic picture. I agree. I agree with you. And maybe that's a, that's a good place to end it. It's another, this was an excellent episode of after pulse. (laughs) We bookended it with excellent episodes. Excellent episodes. Uh, But in all seriousness, folks, thanks. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the after pulse to find out more or to check out past episodes, go to the community pulse.io or look for Community Pulse wherever you get your podcast. The After Pulse is hosted by Mary Thangval at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. SJ Morris at Sarah Jane Morris on Twitter. Jason Hand at Jason Hand on Twitter. And PJ Haggerty at Asplenic on Twitter. You can find Community Pulse on Twitter at at community underscore pulse.